and you're listening to God's Whole Story, a podcast of Worship Center. We know just how hard it is to read God's Word and understand it, so we decided to read the Bible chronologically this year and talk about it together. Thanks so much for joining us. Hey guys, welcome to God's Whole Story. My name is Ryan. I'm here again today with Mandy Johnson. Hey everybody. And we are in Joshua. This is actually like our all, we're almost done with Joshua. I think tomorrow is our last day in Joshua. Wow. Um, which is actually like, I went flipping ahead after we finished the last episode and was like, oh, we only have two days left of this. It actually makes sense that we're getting all these like land allotments and like rules and that kind of stuff because Joshua is literally like, he's almost done. Wow. So the, the people are going to settle in the land. Uh, Joshua is going to die. Oh, wow. Spoiler alert, everybody. <laughs> well, he doesn't live forever. Okay. So Joshua is going to die. Okay. Your logic <laughs> is unwelcome here. Um, but it, it kind of makes sense. This is kind of like housekeeping passages for mm. um, moving on and, and passing the torch and that kind of stuff. So um, Mandy did the reading today. I'm so thrilled that Mandy's here so that she can do all the readings. I love the reading, except for, guys, the names of towns are really hard. It's not like Lancaster or... No, well, that you're not even saying it, right? <laughs> so, yeah. So, to my point, names of towns are really hard. <laughs> so, what stuck out to you as you read? Well, I remember, I you know, like, before when I've read this, I always thought these cities of refuge were such a very unique concept. And I don't know, has this ever happened before in an Old Testament, before this point? Like... Like having cities of refuge? The the cities of refuge are such a big deal. They've actually been repeated like several times okay. throughout these five books. Okay. Uh, well, actually, we're into Joshua now, so we're past the original five books. Um, but it, it gets brought up a lot. Like me, as I'm reading through it this year, it's yeah. like, oh, this gets mentioned quite – like it's very important to God that this happens. Okay. And yeah. So what have we talked about with cities of refuge before on here? Anything? Like – I mean, just, I just am very curious, like, what are they setting the stage for, you know? Ultimately, so there's, there's like the, I mean, one, God commands that they do this. Hmm. So like at the, at the very ground level, God is saying like, you need to have cities of refuge for people that accidentally kill someone basically. Yeah. Um, but there's also like this kind of, kind of bizarre blood oath kind of thing. It's like eye for eye, tooth for tooth. So in this culture, they're supposed to take murder very seriously. And so there was a passage where Chelsea and I talked about it a bit ago where it's like, hey, if there's a murderer, like you need to cut them off. They need to be gone. You need to cleanse the land of murder. So basically, like if somebody comes and kills your family member, you are charged to go and kill that person. Mm. So because that's the law of the land, because that murder is so serious and they're supposed to deal with it quickly, um, if somebody is accidentally killed, they're supposed to run away to these cities of refuge so that there's time to sort it all out. Because if you find out like, hey, your sister was out in the field with this guy and now she's dead, like you're not going to be thinking like, I wonder if he was splitting wood with an axe and the axe head flew <laughs> off by axe. You're just going to be like, whoa, what? Like, yeah. we're going to deal with this now. Right. So these cities of refuge are so that there's a place for people to run to, to give the the Levites, the priests, a chance to sort out like, what happened? Are, are you guilty of murder? Was this an accidental death? Um, so that people aren't wrongfully killed. Yeah, okay. What I find <clears throat> interesting though is there's, you know, there's so many instructions <clears throat> given almost ad nauseum. Like yesterday we read through the mm-hmm. allotment. I mean, we know piece by piece where people were living. It was very specific. So I'm I'm thinking here, I'm like, okay, if there's a, a city of refuge, 
how do they know that all these people coming are legit? How do they know they're not inviting actual murderers in? And there's, I see nothing in this passage that's specific about like, and so if there's a liar that shows up, here's what you do. I think the passage that we read about that, that does actually, that does actually deal with that. I think it's in Deuteronomy. Okay. That basically is like, there's a, there's a trial situation. There's like a hearing kind of, and you know, not like in the legal sense that we understand today, but the Levites really are supposed to find out, like, are you who you say you are or not? And if they're not, they're supposed to like, it's the end of the road for those guys. So like people settling in these cities of refuge who aren't the murderers, they're like the people who are just trying to live their lives. Yeah. What do we like? What about that? Like, is that just something they just knew? Like, oh yeah, I live in a city of refuge. Well, if if you notice, I think the the cities of refuge pretty much belong to the Levites. So I think I'd have to go through again and read it, but I feel like there were a lot of cities designated as refuge cities. Um, no, you're right. You're right. So it's interesting because the people living in these cities have like a a pastoral call on their lives. Like they are, you know, the, the priestly tribe. So these are the guys that are called to be, you know, representing God on the day to day to the people. Wow. So it is interesting that God cares so much about justice that he is purposely sending those who could be wrongfully accused to the priests in their towns so that they can be cared for. Well, it's pretty crazy, right? So, I mean, I, th- I think what's interesting, and I haven't talked about this for a while, but anytime you read the Bible, I think you should be thinking about, like, what can I learn about God yeah. in this scenario? Yeah. And so in this passage about cities of refuge, and specifically, like, the fact that the Levites are the ones in these cities, God cares a lot about justice, to the point that he's, like, ad nauseum setting up the rules of how this is supposed to work yeah. so that people can find justice. And and it's justice on both sides. It's that if you're wrongfully accused, you'll be protected in these cities of refuge. And if you're not wrongfully accused and you actually did commit murder, like, you, you'll you'll be killed. You'll be put yeah. to death. Well, it's I thought it was interesting when you said in the culture where it's, like, eye for eye, like, eye for an eye, mm-hmm. um, you didn't say they have permission to kill you said they're charged to kill like like almost commanded like you better make this right which then leads me into this like you know when we think about justice like being silent isn't seeking justice which doesn't sound like god so like if god cares this much about justice that he would set it up this way i'm not saying today please hear me out i'm not saying that we live by this code of killing someone or right we know jesus came with this new covenant that says like hey actually if somebody hits you in the face like you know turn the cheek and let him hit mm-hmm. you again right so like there is a new covenant that happens so that's not what i'm saying but i do find it really interesting when we talk about the idea of justice like that is unchanging with god like he cares so deeply about it So I just find this like, yeah, like what is that? How does that inform us today of how we actually live? Mm -hmm. Because if, if, if justice is so important to God, which it is, then it needs to be important to me and it's not optional. Correct. Like justice isn't optional. I think it's definitely something to, when we talk about like characteristics of God and like you're saying this very unique thing, this is very special. Um, it's worth paying attention to and asking, I think, God, what do you want to say to me about this? Like, what is it, how can this inform the way I live my life? 
Well, the thing that sticks out is not that, th- that he's punishing murderers. It's that he's allowing a safe place for those who are wrongfully accused. And that, like, that's the heart of justice, right? Like, that's, yeah, like, that's what I'm saying. Do not accuse these people wrongly. And I think, I think in any scenario, and I think justice socially is becoming more of a topic that people think about and talk about, like, like Christians, we need to seek justice. Um, What's the, uh, it's Micah 6, 8, like, um, seek justice, love mercy and walk humbly with God Mm -hmm. or do justice. Like there's different plays on that, but that's, that's who God is. And and when we, when we walk with God, justice should be very important to us. I think it's act justly, love mercy and walk humbly. Maybe we're using different translations. (laughs) I don't know. We'll get there eventually guys. Don't worry. And then we'll settle this debate. Oh man, just, you know, this riveting debate about, no, but yeah, I, sorry, continue. I'm sorry. I have a sweatshirt that has it on there. So that's why I was like trying to run through the sweatshirt. <laughs> so, so basically what I'm saying is like when we enter into conversations or, or we see situations in our world that are dealing with justice, we need to understand that God is a just God mm-hmm. and we should care very much about that. We, we should care very much about, um, that, that, people are treated the way that they're supposed to be treated because that's God's heart and God's desire. Yes. Um, so that's, you know, I think that's, that's, there's always grace, but sometimes we maybe spend a lot on grace and not much on justice. Mm. So it's, it's an interesting tension. Always. That's very, very important to walk. Yeah. Um, we don't want to lose one or the other. Right. Which is why it always comes back to, we have got to be walking with the Holy Spirit every day. Like mm-hmm. we have to be because the Bible is full of the the paradoxes. It's full of like, yeah, justice. Yeah, mercy. Okay. Um, I can't think of anything else off the top of my head, but always, right? It's always like two very opposite things. If you point out a scripture to me, I can probably point out an opposite one. And the point isn't to do that. The point is, okay, so now in this instance, you know, it's funny because when, when with Chelsea, she and I are very good friends, but we're very, we're very different. Mm -hmm. So Chelsea's always on a journey to speak up more. And I'm always on a journey to speak less (laughs) because like, that's kind of where we have to take that to God and say, is this a time for me to speak up or be quiet? Like, and we talk about that, right? Like, so oftentimes she'll be prompted. The courageous thing for her is to speak up. The courageous thing for me is to maybe not speak up all the time. Um, And so in saying all of that, it's like our always having this tension of like you're saying between justice and mercy or justice and grace or whatever constantly checking in. But in this instance, God, like, what does justice look like? What does love look like? All of that, you know? That's where, too, just to add to that, like, anytime you find those paradoxes, like those, like, wait, why is God saying do this? But then over here, God's saying do this. Mm -hmm. That's when it's really important to zoom out and say, okay, what do I already know about God? Mm -hmm. And how can I make sense of this this contradiction in light of knowing who God is? Which is, which is why, just to to plug our own podcast that you're already listening to anyway. That's why it's so important to understand God's whole story because it's very easy to zoom in on one piece and be like, well, God said this mm-hmm. or zoom into this other piece and be like, well, yeah, but God said this. So you got to actually know, you have to know the character of God. You have to know the heart of God. You have to know the identity of God so that you can look at these contradictions and make sense of what is actually going on here. 
Which I think is like a pretty awesome life skill as well, because think about it. If, if a scenario comes up and you feel offended by something somebody did, wouldn't it be an awesome thing to do first and go, yeah, but is that the Ryan I know? Uh-huh. Or if I hear something about you, you know, I used to tell my kids this all the time about stuff like you need to run it through the filter of, yeah, but is that what I know about that person? Mm-hmm. So when someone's telling you a story or you see one angle, it's like, but you have to zoom out and say, but what do I already know? Mm-hmm. And I think that's so powerful. Mm-hmm. And it's so good to do with the character of God because we can get hung up on a verse, on a moment and think like, and feel very confused or whatever. And I think when we zoom out like that, that was really good advice, Pastor Ryan. Oh, geez. All right. All right. That's <laughs> that enough of that. Wrap it up? All right, guys. <laughs> All right. Hey, we hope you're enjoying this journey. We are uh, going to be finishing up Joshua tomorrow, uh, which means we'll be getting into Judges very soon. So thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye. Joshua 19. After all the land was divided among the tribes, the Israelites gave a piece of land to Joshua as his allocation. For the Lord had said he could have any town he wanted. He chose Timnath Sarah in the hill country of Ephraim. He rebuilt the town and lived there. These are the territories that Eleazar, the priest, Joshua, son of Nun, and the tribal leaders allocated as grants of the land to the tribes of Israel by casting sacred lots in the presence of the Lord at the entrance of the tabernacle at Shiloh. So the division of the land was completed. The Lord said to Joshua, Now tell the Israelites to designate the cities of refuge as I instructed Moses. Anyone who kills another person accidentally and unintentionally can run to one of these cities. They will be places of refuge from relatives seeking revenge for the person who was killed. Upon reaching one of these cities, the one who caused the death will appear before the elders at the city gate and present his case. They must allow him to enter the city and give him a place to live among them. If the relatives of the victim come to avenge the killing, the leaders must not release the slayer to them, for he killed the other person unintentionally and without previous hostility. But the slayer must stay in that city and be tried by the local assembly, which will render a judgment, and he must continue to live in that city until the death of the high priest who was in office at the time of the accident. After that, he is free to return to his own home in the town from which he fled. The following cities were designated as cities of refuge, Kadesh of Galilee in the hill country of Naphtali, Shechem in the hill country of Ephraim, and Kiriath Arba, that is Hebron, in the hill country of Judah. On the east side of the Jordan River, across from the Jericho, the following cities were designated. Bezer in the wilderness plain of the tribe of Reuben, Ramath in Gilead in the territory of the tribe of Gad, and Golan in Bashan in the land of the tribe of Manasseh. These cities were set apart for all the Israelites as well as the foreigners living among them. Anyone who accidentally killed another person could take refuge in one of these cities. In this way, they could escape being killed in revenge prior to standing trial before the local assembly. Then the leaders of the tribe of Levi came to consult with Eleazar the priest, Joshua son of Nun, and the leaders of the other tribes of Israel. They came to them at Shiloh in the land of Canaan and said, The Lord commanded Moses to give us towns to live in and pasture lands for our livestock. So by the commandment of the Lord, the people of Israel gave the Levites the following towns and pasture lands out of their own grants of land. The descendants of Aaron, who were members of the Kohathite clan with the tribe of Levi, were allotted 13 towns that were originally assigned to the tribes of Judah, Simeon, and Benjamin. The other families of the Kohathite clan were allotted 10 towns from the tribes of Ephraim, Dan, and the half-tribe of Manasseh. The clan of Gershon was allotted 13 towns from the tribes of Issachar, Asher, Naphtali, and the half-tribe of Manasseh and Beshan. The clan of Merari was allotted 12 towns from the tribes of Reuben, Gad, and Zebulun. So the Israelites obeyed the Lord's command to Moses and assigned these towns and pasture lands to the Levites by casting sacred lots. The Israelites 
gave the following towns from the tribes of Judah and Simeon to the descendants of Aaron, who were members of the Kohathite clan with the tribe of Levi, since the sacred lot fell to them first. Kiriath Arba, that is Hebron, in the hill country of Judah, along with its surrounding pasture lands. Arba was the ancestor of Anak. But the open fields beyond the town and the surrounding villages were given to Caleb, son of Jephunneh, as his possession. The following towns with their pasture lands were given to the descendants of Aaron the priest, Hebron, a city of refuge for those who accidentally killed someone, Libna, Jatir, Eshtemoah, Holon, Debir, Ain, Judah, and Beth Shemesh, nine towns from the two tribes. From the tribe of Benjamin, the priests were given the following towns with their pasture lands, Gibeon, Geba, Anathoth, and Almon, four towns. So in all, 13 towns with their pasture lands were given to the priests, the descendants of Aaron. The rest of the Kohathite clan from the tribe of Levi was allotted the following towns and pasture lands from the tribe of Ephraim. Shechem in the hill country of Ephraim, a city of refuge for those who accidentally killed someone. Gezer, Gibzim, and Beth Haran, four towns. The following towns and pasture lands were allotted to the priests from the tribe of Dan. Eltica, Gibbethon, Ajalon, and Gathramon, four towns. The half-tribe of Manasseh allotted the following towns with their pasture lands to the priests. Tanakh and Gathramon, two towns. So in all, ten towns with the pasture lands were given to the rest of the Kohathite clan. The descendants of Gershon, another clan within the tribe of Levi received the following towns with their pasture lands from the half-tribe half of Manasseh, Golan and Bashan, a city of refuge for those who accidentally killed someone, and Be'eshirah, two towns. From the tribe of Issachar, they received the following towns with their pasture lands, Kishion, Deborah, Jarmuth, and Enganim, four towns. From the tribe of Asher, they received the following towns with their pasture lands, Mishal, Abdon, Helkath, and Rahab, four towns. From the tribe of Naphtali, they received the following towns with their pasture lands, Kadesh and Galilee, a city of refuge for those who accidentally killed someone, Hamath, Dor, and Kartan, three towns. So in all, 13 towns with their pasture lands were allotted to the clown of Gershon. The rest of the Levites, the Merari clan, were given the following towns with their pasture lands from the tribe of Zebulun, Jachnium, Karta, Dimna, and Nahal, four towns. From the tribe of Reuben, they received the following towns with their pasture lands, Bazar, Jahaz, Kedamoth, and Mephath, four towns. From the tribe of Gad, they received the following towns with their pasture lands, Ramoth and Gilead, a city of refuge for those who accidentally killed someone, Mahanaim, Heshbon, and Jazir, four towns. So in all, 12 towns were allotted to the clan of Merari. The total number of towns and pasture lands within Israelite territory given to the Levites came to 48. Every one of these towns had pasture lands surrounding it. So the Lord gave to Israel all the land he had sworn to give their ancestors, and they took possession of it and settled there. And the Lord gave them rest on every side, just as he had solemnly promised their ancestors. None of their enemies could stand against them, for the Lord helped them conquer all their enemies. Not a single one of all the good promises the Lord had given to the family of Israel was left unfulfilled. Everything he had spoken came true. This is a record of the towns and territory assigned by means of sacred lots to the descendants of Aaron, who were from the clan of Kohath. This territory included Hebron and its surrounding pasture lands in Judah, but the fields and outlying areas belonging to the city were given to Caleb, son of Jephunneh. So the descendants of Aaron were given the following towns, each with its pasture lands, Hebron, a city of refuge, Libna, Jatir, Eshtemoah, Halan, Debir, Ain, Judah, and Beth Shemesh. And from the territory of Benjamin, they were given Gibeon, Geba, Elameth, and Anathoth. 
each with its pasture lands. So 13 towns were given to the descendants of Aram. They, the remaining descendants of Kohath received 10 towns from the territory of the half-tribe of Manasseh by means of sacred lots. The descendants of Gershon received by sacred lots 13 towns from the territories of Issachar, Asher, Naphtali, and from the Bashan area of Manasseh east of the Jordan. The descendants of Merari received by sacred lots 12 towns from the territories of Reuben, Gad, and Zebulun. So the people of Israel assigned all these towns and pasture lands to the Levites. The towns in the territories of Judah, Simeon, and Benjamin mentioned above were assigned to them by means of sacred lots. The descendants of Kohath were given the following towns from the territory of Ephraim, which each with its pasture lands. Shechem, a city of refuge in the hill country of Ephraim, Gazir, Jachmium, Betharon, Ajalon, and Gathrimon. The remaining descendants of Kohath were assigned the towns of Anir and Biliam from the territory of the half-tribe of Manasseh, each with its pasture lands. The descendants of Gershon received the towns of Golan in Bashan and Ashtaroth from the territory of the half-tribe of Manasseh, each with its pasture lands. From the territory of Issachar, they were given Kadesh, Deborath, Ramoth, and Enam, each with its pasture lands. From the territory of Asher, they received Mashal, Abdon, Hukak, and Rehab each with its pasture lands. From the territory of Naphtali, they were given Kadesh and Galilee, Haman, and Kiriatham, which each with its pasture lands. The remaining descendants of Merari received the towns of Jachnium, Karta, Rimon, and Tabor from the territory of Zebulun, each with its pasture lands. From the territory of Reuben, east of the Jordan, opposite Jericho, they received Bazir, a desert town, Jahaz, Kedamoth, and Mephath, each with its pasture lands. And from the territory of Gad, they received Ramah and Gilead, Mahanam, Heshbon, and Jazir, each with its pasture. Hey guys, this is Ryan, and I hope you are getting a lot out of God's whole story. Uh, it means a lot to us, even as we are reading through God's word every single day in the order that it happened. Um, if you want to go ahead and follow us, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at God's Whole Story Podcast. Uh, we would love it if you would share this thing with your friends or people that you know, or just share what's sticking out to you. Uh, you can either send us a DM or you could actually email us at podcast at worshipcenter.org. You can email us if you have any questions, if something stuck out to you, if you'd like us to pray for you. And if you want a Bible, if you don't have one right now, or if you want a copy of the one that we're using to go through God's whole story, we'd be happy to send that to you. So go ahead and reach out to us in any way that you'd like. We'd love to hear from you. Have a great day.